Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. So everybody knew that she was a visitor from the moment she set foot in that little church. Now the first reason was because, well, the church was little. So everyone knew everybody, and if someone walked in who you didn't know, well, you knew that they must be a visitor. But the second reason why everyone knew that she was a visitor is because she didn't look very churchy. Like her makeup wasn't churchy, her hair wasn't churchy, and her clothes, or her clothes most definitely were not churchy. So much so that when she approached the pastor after the service to thank him for the sermon and to tell him that she was going to be back again next week, he stopped her and he said, look, if you are going to come back next week, I want you to do me a favor. I really need you to pray and ask God what he would want you to wear to this church. And whatever he tells you, that's what I want you to wear next week instead. Now, I realize I told this story years ago, but it really matters today, so bear with me. So anyways, the same woman shows up next week, and you're not going to believe it, but she had the exact same outfit on. Now, what this pastor didn't know was that this was the only outfit that she owned. But what he did know was that the church was beginning to notice. People were whispering, people were pointing, people were giving him the evil eye, like, why aren't you doing something, you know? And so after church in the lobby, she approached him again, said, thanks again for the sermon, Pastor. He said, can you just stop for a moment? I thought we talked about your clothes last week, but maybe I wasn't clear enough. If you are going to return to this church next week, you must go home and pray and ask God what he would want you to wear this church. And whatever he tells you, that's what you must wear. Well, during that week, he began to get some emails from some of the core families at the church saying that they were a little bit worried that he wasn't fostering a worshipful, worshipful environment. So the next Sunday rolls around and he actually sets himself up before the service outside the church that on the off chance that she might come back, he wanted to stop her before uh, she walked in without him checking out her clothes. And so she walks up and you're not going to believe it. Same outfit, same exact outfit. And he walks up to her, he says, look, for two weeks now, I've told you to go home and pray, ask God what he would have you wear to this church and wear that. And you haven't done it. And so now I even can't even let you come in. And she said, pastor, I will admit that the first week I forgot, but just yesterday, I remember what you asked me to do. And I did it. I sat down yesterday morning and I prayed and I asked God, what would you want me to wear to that church? And, and the pastor leans in, he says, and yet you've worn this. She says, yeah, because when I prayed and I asked God what he would want me to wear to this church, he said, I don't know. I've never been there. Now, that's an interesting story. And I bring it up because we're in this series called You Matter. And it's a series about the Ten Commandments. And yet when I say that, when I say that this is a series about the Ten Commandments, I think that there's something inside of you, there's something inside of me that's almost repelled by that. And maybe it's because we've been around too many churches like that church, or maybe we've been around too many pastors like that pastor, or maybe we've been around too many people that believe like they do. And we look at God's word and, and God's word and God's law almost becomes a wall to keep people out. See, the truth is you matter. You matter. And God's word and God's law was never intended to be a wall to keep people out. It was intended to be a way to invite people into hope and life and strength and joy. And that's the lens through which we're viewing these 10 commandments. So in week one, we talked about commandment number one. 
No other gods, only me, God says. And when God says that, he says that because your freedom matters, that he doesn't want you to live a life wanting and wanting and wanting and never getting enough. And then we talked about commandment number two, when God says no idols. Why? Because your life matters. That only through a relationship with Jesus can you ever be fully, completely, absolutely, totally alive. How? By becoming totally, completely, absolutely yourself. And so today I want to jump into the third commandment. It's found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. It says this, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And it's funny because when I was a kid and I would hear people quote the third commandment, I would think the third commandment was all about swearing. But it's not really. See, God issued the third commandment because your truth matters. Your truth matters. You know what Jesus says that the truth will set you free? And so maybe you're wondering, well, what, is, what does all that mean? My truth matters. You know, back when I was 13 years old one day, my buddy Grant King was over. We were playing Asteroids for Atari. And mid-afternoon, I look at Grant, and we're just having a great time. I said, hey, do you want to stay for supper? He said, sure. I said, Mom, can Grant stay for supper? She said, well, he always does, so sure, he can stay for supper. And so we kept playing, and about a half an hour before supper time, Grant says, you know what, I'm going to go home. I'm like, what? What do you mean you're going to go home? He says, yeah, I'm going to go home and play Donkey Kong. Now, that was a bone of contention between Grant and I, okay? Because I had Atari, which had asteroids, and Grant had ColecoVision, which had Donkey Kong. Okay, and I thought Atari was better, and Grant thought ColecoVision was better, and he says, I'm going home to play Donkey Kong on ColecoVision. And I said, no way, stick around, but he didn't. He said, I'm out. He walked up the stairs, and I heard him open the door and then close it, and I was just so mad. I walk upstairs, and my parents were sitting at the table. I said, man, I hate Grant. He's such a loser. Like, he always lies all the time. He said he was staying for supper, and then he just leaves. You know, who cares? I don't even like hanging out with him. And if you've ever been in a moment like this, you will remember it. See, as I was saying that to my parents, I noticed that they were looking really sheepish. And it was like they were looking past me to something behind me. And so as I started to wind down my little diatribe, I started to get a little bit nervous and I turned around and guess what? Grant was standing right there. And that's a sinking feeling. This feeling that I, you know, maybe broke something that I could never fix. I remember the next week on the school bus, Grant didn't sit with me. I didn't sit with him. The weekend came. He didn't call me. I didn't call him. And so finally on the next Monday, I remember thinking, this is crazy. So I came up with a plan. I got on the bus. Grant's stop was quite a bit later than mine. So I got on the bus and I sat right on the aisle so that nobody could come and sit with me. And then when Grant stepped onto the bus and he was walking down, down the aisle, I slid over. I made an obvious point of sliding over as if to say, I've made room, please sit down. And he hesitated and he stopped and he looked at me and I looked at him and slowly he sat down. And when he sat down, I said, man, I'm so sorry. He said, that's okay. So you want to come over and play Donkey Kong after school? I said, yeah, and I did. So your truth matters. What do I mean about that? I mean this, that if I say that I am Grant's friend, have you ever heard the phrase, you are a true friend? If I say that I am Grant's friend, 
that should be proven true by the way that I talk, by the way that I act, by the way that I am, even when Grant's not around. That should be true. Your truth matters. Your truth will set you free. When you are who you say you are, when you speak who you say you are, when you act like you really are, your truth really matters. It's funny because there's this term Christian. Christian actually means little Christ or one who follows behind Christ. Well, what I would suggest to you is that the third commandment says your truth matters. If you are a follower of Christ, you should be true to that in the way that you act, in the way that you speak, in the way that you are. Your truth matters. And when you are true to that title, Christian, follower of Jesus, your truth will set you and others free. Your truth matters. So don't misuse the name of God. And so I guess on one level, it can be swearing, right? Like when you, when you use God's name as a glib catchphrase or as an expression of anger or frustration, it's an interesting thing to do because um, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Christ, somewhere along the line, you've decided that God is great. So great, in fact, that he's able to save you. Save you yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. But not only that, God is good. So he's not just able to save you, he's willing to save you. He loves you, he's for you. So he's able to save you and he's willing to save you. And when you use his name as a catchphrase or as an expression of anger or frustration, what you do is you diminish God. Well, you don't actually diminish God. Like God's not sad because you said that. You diminish him in your mind, in your heart, in your soul. And that's a problem for who? For you. Because for you to live the life that you were intended to live, you need to live in truth. You need to live in the truth that your God is actually able. Your God is actually willing to save you. Don't misuse his name. And there's a second way that you can do that. And that's by putting words in God's mouth. Don't put words in God's mouth. This is a big one. So let's go back to that story at the beginning. This church and this pastor inferred in their attitude, in their, in their words, in their actions, that uh, God only wanted you to approach him if you were dressed a certain way. Well, that doesn't make any sense that God would want you to clean up your act before you would ever dare to come to him. That doesn't make any sense because if you read the Bible, Jesus says, I would never turn anyone away who comes to me. Don't put words in God's mouth like that. It's something that I noticed lately where as somebody, especially somebody in the church blows it, there's so many other Christians that are so quick to judge and so quick to distance themselves and so quick to keep them away. It's almost like, man, I don't want to hang around with you. I don't want to be anywhere close to you because if I am, your sin, your sinfulness, your, your awfulness will become contagious to me. Where did you get that? Because as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I certainly hope that you don't feel like your actions and your attitude are speaking for God, because when you act that way, you're misusing God's name. B because if you read in the gospels, what you'll see is that people accuse Jesus of being a, a drunk and a glutton. 
Why is that? Oh, because he hung around with drunks and gluttons, and yet he never became a drunk or a glutton. Do you understand that? You know what else they accused Jesus of being? They accused Jesus, listen to this, they actually accused Jesus of being a friend to sinners. And on that count, he was guilty. And man, that's a good thing. That's a good thing for me because I'm a sinner and that's a good thing for you because you're a sinner too. So when you think that you can reject somebody, you can ostracize somebody, you can ignore somebody, you can write somebody off and you're a follower of Christ, you're misusing God's name because Jesus would never, has never written you off and he never would. And I, and, I, and I think that, I know I've told you before over the last few months, like I think there's a revival coming and I think that revival has to start first in you and that revival has to start first in me. But I'll tell you what, we live in a challenging world, you guys. We live in a hyper-politicized world where everything is becoming an issue. And I really believe that there's people all over the world today that are misusing God's name. Like there's people who say this, God would want you to vote for that person. And then there's somebody else who says, God would never want you to vote for that person. God would want you to wear a mask. God would never want you to wear a mask. God would want you to honor those restrictions. God would never want you to honor those restrictions. God would want you to march in that rally. God would never want you to march in that rally. God would want you to like that post on social media. God would never want you to like that post on social media. God would want you to get the vaccine. God would never want you to get the vaccine. What is going on? What are we all talking about? We're misusing God's name. You know what God would want? God would want you. God would want me to be known for our what? For our what? For our what? For our opinions? For what we post? For what we agree or disagree with? God would want you to be known. God would want me to be known for what? For our love. For our love. that I would be known as the kind of person who loves people. Who loves people who agree with me and who loves people who disagree with me. Who loves people who vote like I vote. Who loves people who don't vote like I vote. Who loves people who look like me. Who loves people who don't look like me. Let let me help you with something. Jesus said, "I, I want overarchingly for the, the, the overwhelming, insurmountable thing that people would see when they look at you, I want them to see love. And if there's people in your life right now who know you for anything else primarily besides love, that is a problem. That's a problem for you because your truth matters. Who are you? What are you defined by? It's a problem for them, right? Like if, if you're going through your life right now and you're wondering, why am I so anxious? Why am I so stressed out? Why am I so scared? Why am I so worried? I don't know, but the Bible says this, perfect love drives out fear. 
do the people in your life, when they look at you, is the first thing they think about love? Is, is it love? Or is it some stance or some argument or some point? Don't misuse God's name. God is mercy and God is grace and God is patience and kindness and love. And I ought to be known overarchingly for a lot of things. Sure, I need to think critically. I I need to decide how I'm going to live my life. But overarchingly, I want the people around me to say, you know, if there's one thing that I notice about that person, it's love. Same is true with you. Why? Because your truth matters. I want to be who I say I am. I want to be known for what I say that I'm known for. And I want people to see that because they desperately need to see that. Don't put words in God's mouth. It's like if you go to a Christian college or a Christian university, or even a youth group, I guess, you have guys that want to date a girl. And they try and they try and they try and they try. They try everything and it doesn't work. And then finally they pull out the trump card. What do they say? God told me that we should be together. What a crazy thing to say. (laughs) I said to Corinne, my wife, I said, Corinne, does that really happen? She says, oh, it happens all the time. She told me a story about a a guy named Ian in her sociology class who walked up to her and said, God said that we're supposed to be together. And uh, she answered Ian the way that you should answer anybody who ever says that to you, by the way. She said, Ian, if God really wanted us together, he would tell me too. That's good. But be careful. That might just be your hormones, Ian, not the Holy Spirit. Don't misuse God's name. Don't put words in God's mouth. Hey, employer, you need to give me a raise. God told me that. Hey, employee, God said that you should work for less. Hey, God said that you should give me a really good deal. Don't misuse God's name by putting words in his mouth. And finally, and maybe most importantly, this. Don't misuse God's name by saying that you are his follower and then living a life that denies his existence. Don't misuse God's name by saying that you're a follower of Jesus and then living a life that denies its truth. Your truth matters. Right before I taught my first year, the school that I was teaching at was connected to a church and so they gathered about two days before school started, they gathered everyone that was gonna be working at that little school. There was maybe about 25 of us and the elders from that church came up and they spoke. There was five of them, I think, and they, they kind of gave us a pep talk and encouraged us and prayed for us. It was pretty cool. And then I remember three, three weeks later, I was driving in Abbotsford and I was about to turn onto South Fraser Way. And I misjudged the speed that this truck was approaching and I turned in front of him. I guess I kind of cut him off and he was very upset. Because when I looked in my rearview mirror, all I could see was the grill of this truck and he was just laying on his horn. And then he pulled beside me and he leaned out and he flipped me the bird. And he's still like laying on the horn. And I remember looking over and I said to myself, what would you look at that? It's Elder Fred from three weeks ago, the one who prayed for me. 
And so Elder Fred is there and he's flipping me the bird and he's honking his horn and he's yelling something. I don't know exactly what he was yelling, but I don't think it was like, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face smile upon you. I don't think it was that. I can't be sure, but I don't think so, okay? So he's yelling and he's screaming and he's flipping me the bird and he's honking and I'm looking at him and I find it a little bit funny to be honest. And then he opens his eyes and he really focuses and he recognizes me. And he puts his bird back in the cage. He rolls up his window, he pins it, and he leaves in a cloud of smoke. But as he was leaving, I saw that he had two stickers on the back bumper of his vehicle. One was a Jesus fish, and the other was a bumper sticker from his church. And it said this, a friendly family church. It's funny because I've never really talked to Elder Fred about that. First of all, we don't see each other very often, but if we're ever in a group or an area where where he's there and I'm there, he just sprints in the other direction. But if I ever did talk to him, this is what I would probably say. Man, I get it. Everybody has a bad day. Like I want to live the life that God created me to live, but I know that I don't always hit it. You know, Galatians 5 says that as I walk with Jesus, as I invite his Holy Spirit into my life to change me, man, people are going to start noticing some stuff about me. They're going to start noticing love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But I'm not perfect. See, here's the key. I want you to listen to me. Here's the key. You don't need to be perfect. But you should be progressing. You, You should be progressing. The, the, the people in your life should see an increased amount of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Your spouse should see that. Your kids should see that. Your, your friends should see that. The, the people who you don't even know are watching you in this city should see that. Like years ago when I took my boys out for breakfast and our waitress was just having a horrible day and she, <laughs> she wrecked everything. She just made so many mistakes. And I remember at the very end of the meal, I kind of prayed. I said, God, I don't know what to do. It was just so terrible. And he just asked me a simple question. He said, Mike, do you think she's having a good day or a bad day? I said, I think she's having a horrible day. He said, do you want to make it better or you want to make it worse? So I gave her a big tip and I'm walking out of the restaurant and she says, See you Sunday, Pastor Mike. And I always think about that. Because I think, man, I, I wonder who all the people are who are watching me and watching you. Not for perfection, but just for progression. Do you understand? I say I'm a Christian. I say I'm following Jesus. And what they want to see is they want to see an increased level of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So what's our next step? I don't want to misuse God's name. I want to be true to who I claim to be. So what's my next step? Really, I think there's one that's just so completely clear for me and for you, people who are not perfect, but progressing. You remember that story I told at the beginning about when I blasted Grant when I didn't think he was there and, and finally he sat down on the seat in that school bus and I looked at him and I said, what? Man, I'm really, really sorry. I think that's my next step. I think that's your next step. I guess for me, I just wonder, are there people in your life? And they maybe didn't expect perfection, 
but they've just seen times, they've seen moments where you, you kind of misuse God's name. Are there people in my life that have just seen me um, misuse God's name in the way that I love, in the way that I treat people? You know what our next step is? Just an apology. Just a sincere apology. It's funny because there's this word people use in church circles a little bit called apologetics. Maybe you've heard it before, apologetics. What, what it just means is it just means a reasoned approach to defending the faith of Jesus. A reasoned approach to defending the faith of Jesus. Apologetics. And, and here's what I think. I think for you and me right now, probably the most powerful apologetic that you could ever step out into today right now would be an apology. I think the most powerful apologetic in your life today would be an apology. Because when you come to, but, to somebody and say, look, I know I'm not perfect, but I should be progressing. And I wasn't true to who I say I follow. I am so sorry. You know what they see in you? They see love that you care enough about them to say that. And that's what the world needs today is love. It's funny because I think sometimes of Elder Fred and I think, man, if he would have come up to me and said, hey, Mike, I'm sorry I blew it. You know what we would have done? We would have laughed together. I would have said, man, I get it. You're hilarious. I can't believe you did that. See, because there's something so lovable about a humble person. And, and, and when I apologize to somebody, I display my humility. And you know what the world needs today? They need people of humility who ask, hey, how, how can I serve you? Rather than how can I be served? I think your most powerful apologetic today would be to really ask God to show you who are some people that I need to apologize to. That's what I'll be doing. And, 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 and I also think that we can apologize to God. It's called repentance in the Bible. Just say to God, thank you. Thank you that not only were you able to save me, but you were willing to save me and I'm saved. And the truth is, God, every once in a while, maybe more than every once in a while, I don't live the way that I want to live. I, don't, I misuse your name by not representing you well in the way that I walk my walk. I'm sorry. Please change me from the inside out. Please change me. Change me. Give me more love, joy, peace, patience, all of that. That's how it works. Your truth matters. And I want your truth to set you free and to set others free as we live a life consistent, consistent with who we are, who we were born and created to be. So just before I close today, I wanna to invite you into that life. See, I think so often we live this life where we think, man, it's gotta be outside in. It's gotta be outside in. My behavior determines my, um, my worth. Like that poor girl that walked into that church at the beginning of the sermon. But that's not how God works. Anyone who comes to him he would never turn them away. He loves you exactly how you are right now. And here's what he wants to do. He wants to start changing you from the inside out. Not, not because you're great, but because he's great and you are completely and totally loved and accepted by him. So man, if you've never stepped into that relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, I think today's the day to do it. Today's the day to begin to live that true life, that true life that you've been created to live. So what I wanna do right now is I wanna pray. And I want to invite you wherever you are, however you're listening or watching this message, I just want to invite you to pray along with me. So dear Jesus, thank you. 
Thank you that you are the way, that you are the truth, and that you are the life. And that you came and you died and you rose again for me. So Jesus, today, I want to hand you all my sin and all my shame and all my regrets. Please take it. And then I pray, Jesus, that because of your death and because of your resurrection, that you would begin to work in me, that you would change me, that you would make me a person of truth, a person of love, a person of humility, a person of purpose and effectiveness. I love you and I thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm so stoked. Here's the truth. This is going to get good. And, and, and we want to journey with you. So I would just ask you to do this for me. Text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. We're not going to stalk you, but we are going to support you. And one last thing before I close. I really can't wait for next week. Next week, I want to talk about the fourth commandment, which here's the truth. Here's the truth. I've told you this before, but I'm going to explain it a whole different way next week. Here's the truth. The fourth commandment is a commandment that I've spent a great portion of my life, up until about nine months ago, shattering. And I actually think it's going to change everything when we really, really get a hold of that fourth commandment. So I love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.